Hello everyone, Tony Cotty here, taking over as guest presenter for the final West Ham United Foundation Any Old Irons podcast. Having been involved with the group previously, including as a guest in their last episode, I was delighted when they asked if I would help them during this lockdown by leading the final podcast on their behalf. Today's special guest is someone who's West Ham through and through, even when he's in Hollywood. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the one and only Mr. Ray Winston. Thank you, Tony. How are you doing in lockdown? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm over here. It's actually it's sunny Essex at the moment right now. When, when they said I was going to be speaking to you, I thought that you, because you're on the Essex corner, aren't you? I've got your house, I think. So are you in Essex or you're not in the country? No, I've, I got caught in um, Italy about six weeks ago, Tony. And um, I'm kind of locked down here on my own. So you've obviously you no know, Elaine and no none of your three daughters there. So it, it must be really tough for you, Ray. Seriously, you know you're in isolation. You're on your own. It must be really, really difficult. Well, to be honest with you, Tony, I, I guess what stands me in good stead is um, a lot of the time I'm away from home. When when the kids were younger, obviously I used to take them away with me. Uh, they come away, but then when school started, it started getting interesting for the kids. I found myself away a lot, so. Quite used to my own company in a way, you know. <laughs> Sounds like you're quite enjoying it, Ray. I can't say that on air, Tom. You just got to wait for the lockdown to be lifted. No, I, I, I came away actually to make a little film here. Uh, I got here before the film crew did. And so the film crew didn't actually leave England. Uh, and I was here for a couple of days before getting ready for them. And, um, and that's when it all went pear-shaped, you know. Well, we're delighted to have you with us today, Ray. Um, Oh, by just asking you about why West Ham, you know, we've all got our own personal stories about why we follow West Ham. Why, why West Ham? Why, like, what does West Ham mean, right? Well, kind of, what West Ham means to me, I guess, um, I was born in 1957 and uh, I lived in Caster Park Road in Plasto. And they were kind of, um, that's when we were kind of building a team, you know, uh, Ron Greenwood, it was the Malcolm Addison times and all that. And it was kind of exciting times to watch West Ham, I guess. Um, Obviously, you had the Bobby Moores, you had the Martin Peters, Jeff Ertz, you had Brian Deer. I remember in 19, I think it was 1965, 64, 65, um, we won the European Cup. You know, Alan Seeley scoring two blinding goals. And, and I was only seven years of age at the time. In fact, Tom, the first game of football I ever went to was with my uncle Len. And that was, that was at South End. My nan used to live in Shoebury Nest. And uh, I used to stay down there in the summer holidays and, you know, over holiday times and that. And uh, my uncle Len took me to Southend. That was the first game of football I ever saw. So I've got a little soft spot for Southend. Always have done, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess, I can't remember exactly we played, but it was a night game. I went with my dad over to Upton Park, the bowling ground, the great bowling. And you know what a night game's like at Upton Park, and I think that was it. I was sold, you know, completely sold on it. I think we actually won that night as well, because <laughs> that always helps. Um, and then you know, you know, you you had the the whole idea of the, watching that that single decker bus after winning the cup, the FA Cup, coming down the bottom of my street. You know, it went over Plasto uh, Tube Station, but it came down that came down that street. And we were all at the bottom of the street playing bubbles out, you know, and it was, it was great times. It was like the old days, you know, street parties and things like that, you know. So I guess Claret and Blue's in, in my blood. It's always always in my blood, you know. Yeah, no, great stories, right? 
Ray, just a quick word about the Any Old Irons group that we're doing the podcast for today. I mean, they've got such a good group and they've got a real good team spirit going amongst them. So have you got a word of a mention for, for the Any Old Irons? Because it's a really tough time at the moment for everyone. Yeah, it is a tough time for everyone at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I listen, it's a generation of people that are, are kind of, have come through diversity before Tone, you know. Um, uh, my thing is, just stick in there. You've got, you, you've got to do what they're saying. You've got to stay at home. You've got to, you've got to you know, fight your way through this in the best way you can. Um, it's very difficult being abroad and not speaking a language. And But you can see where this is a worldwide problem. This ain't just in England. It's not It's not just in Europe. It's, it's worldwide. And, you know, just... Just really be what you've always been. Be game, be brave, you know, and, and crack on. Just crack on as you always have done, you know. But stay fit and stay well and stay indoors. Wise words, Ray. Wise words. Um, listen, just we're, we're going to do a little question and answer. We've had some fantastic questions coming to you. Uh, just before we do that, um, I, I just got to share a bit of fantastic news with everyone because last week we heard about one of the Any Old Irons group, Iris, who's in her 80s, and she's been an inspiration yes. to us all because she's beaten the virus after being, being admitted to Newham Hospital. We're delighted to say that she's now back home and recovering well, and it won't be long before she's back on her feet and singing karaoke again. We're thinking of you, Iris, and all the people who are facing this terrible virus in one way or another. That's wonderful news about Iris, Ray, and I, I, I just like you add a little thing about the NHS, right, because I can't speak highly enough of them. I was here last year, they looked after me, they're absolutely fantastic. Just a few words about the NHS, right, and for Iris, of course. Well, I mean, it's, that's fantastic news about Iris. Obviously, me being out here, I don't, I'm not hearing a lot of the news, you know. Um, but what I will say is, uh, talking to my wife a lot, and she relays a lot of the, a lot of the stories about the NHS, you know, and the work they're doing under extreme, extreme pressure. Um, I mean, you, you, uh, I, I saw a bit of Sky News, and I'm, I'm not a great follower of Sky News because a lot of it, a lot of the news, it, it, it doesn't get you in the right frame of mind. You know, but I will say, I will say this: um, if if an organisation has come to the front when it was needed, you know, we talk about Churchill in the Second World War coming along at the right time. Um, the NHS has gone way above above what it's what it's there to be doing, really, in a way. Uh, under extreme pressure, under extreme uh, adversity, and, you know, these brave... Because, let's face it, they're dealing, with, they're dealing with a virus that no one knows anything about. We haven't got an antidote for. Um, and they're going in and they're putting their own lives at risk to save our lives, to save our families' lives, to save people's lives like Iris. Um, you know, in the New Year's Honours list, I don't want to see um, I don't want to see the normal run-of-the-mill honours going to what the, the people that it normally goes to. I want to see uh, honours for people in the NHS, in the fire service, in the police uh, that are going to be getting honours because if anyone deserved it, Victoria Crosses and all that, it's this bunch of people, you know? Absolutely, Ray. Well said, mate. Um, right, we've got some, as I said, some fantastic questions coming. I'm going to start. The first one's from Eileen, 
And the question is, I know you're a big West Ham fan, Ray, and I just wonder if you remember the first game you went to and who you actually went with. I think you must have agreed earlier on. Can you remember, yeah, I can't remember any, any other matters that stick in your mind from that day and a little bit more about the, the actual first game you went to? Well, yeah, as I said, I was, a, I was a young kid and it was a night game, so... And I got a little feeling, I'm not sure, I got a feeling it was Wolves. Wolverhampton, maybe because there was a, a, a painting somewhere in, in Upton Park of a night game playing against Wolves and Billy Wright and all those kind of players, you know? Yeah. I think I remember that. Um, I think I remember that, but all I remember, it was, it was cold, you know, and I don't know, I think I probably had an old sheepskin on that, that, that my dad had given me or bought for me and... Um, and I always remember my dad used to take a little flask of whiskey. You know, when we went to Wembley to see England play, as I did in 66, 1966 games with him, you know? Yeah. But he'd always have a little glass of whiskey in the winter. And I remember sitting at, at Wembley, we played Czechoslovakia after we won the World Cup. I think it was a nil-nil boring draw. But I remember the old man giving me a, a touch of whiskey. So I blame him. For my drinking habit, <laughs> but um, yeah, it would have been. They were the kind of things I, you know, Bovril. Most most kids had Bovril. I had whiskey. <laughs> and some great nights under the floodlights, well, at the, as well at the old ground. Next question, Ray. Do, do you know something? Do you know something, Tom? Tom, do you know something? I remember sitting. I was a bit older because I used to, my dad used to have fruit stalls in Chris Street Market and at Rathbone in Canning Town for a while. And um, I remember going to a game, it was my, me and my mate Billy Brown used to take it in turns because we worked on the stall with my dad and we used to take it in turns. You'd go and watch West Ham when they were at home. And I remember one day I was sitting behind the goal in the South Bank up on that corner, you know where it used to go up. I yeah. was sitting there with my arms over the rails. I'd gone those, I was about 12 or 13, I think. And um, I remember Clyde Best crunching yeah. through the middle with the ball. You know, he was a big old boy, wasn't he? He was. And he struck the ball from about 30 yards and he hit the post and the goal shuddered. You remember how heavy the ball used to be? Yeah. He's hit the post and the whole goal, and it felt like the whole South Bank shook as well, you know? Yeah. And that was one, one, of my, one of my memories. I've never forgotten that, you know? He was a beast of a man, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And a real trailblazer, obviously, for the black players that are playing in the country now. He was fantastic like this. Um, question yeah. for Marty, Ray. I know that Bobby Moore is your favourite all-time West Ham player, but which other player would you like to have seen play for West Ham? Never played for West Ham. Which player would you like to have seen play for West Ham over the years? Well, that's a good, that's, that's a good question. Um, who would I like to see playing there? Um, well, Alan Shearer. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of, in a lot of ways, of Jeff Shearer. Um, I think in my, my lifetime, and I've been lucky enough to watch you as a centre-forward and McAvenny, you know, what a partnership that was at Upton Park. And then, uh, but for me, I think my, my favourite Premier League and probably world centre-forward for me is, um, is Alan Shearer. I, I loved watching him play as a centre-forward. One of the best crosses of the ball I've ever seen. You know, centre-forwards yeah. usually are, funny enough. Because they know where to put the ball, but strike the ball perfectly. You know, 
75% of the time, if he connected with the ball, you knew it was going goalwards, you know? And his heading ability, his positioning, he's running off the ball. Um, for me, I think a fantastic centre forward. And, uh, you know, centre forward was my favourite position. And uh, I'd, I'd love to have seen him put on a Claret Blue shirt, you know? Yeah, and I'd love to have played alongside the 260 Premier League goals. Adam fantastic answer, right? Next question Absolutely. is Sue. And Sue um, would like to know, she said, I know you tried to get to as many West Ham games as possible, and that must mean that, yeah. that at times you have to leave a film set. So the question is, I would like to know, what is the furthest you have travelled to get to a West Ham game, and what was the most difficult journey? Um, I think the most difficult journey... <laughs> I'm going to switch this around a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, went, I flew out with a few of the boys to go to Palermo. This is a few years back now. And um, we flew out for, um, just to go and see the game. We actually stayed for about two weeks. You know, <laughs> because we told, we told the wives that was a, it was a time difference, you know. Oh, of course, we only yeah. actually been away. No, yeah. <laughs> we, we actually went away for two weeks. And, uh, and uh, the, it, just getting there and being put in a cage when we got there. We had Mascherano and Tevis to just come to, um, to West Ham, yeah. you know. And we thought, I think we, we got done at home anyway, and we're playing them in Palermo. But as always, being an optimist, West Ham fans are optimists, aren't they? Uh, we fancied ourselves a little bit in Palermo. And we got, not only did we get beat 3-0, we got smashed to pieces 3-0. Um, they, they wouldn't let us out of the cage at the end of the game. And I remember standing on the stairs why, um, why the Palermo fans peed all over us. Oh, lovely. Great story, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that was that. That was my introduction, yeah, to um, travelling away. I, I loved, I loved, in fact, I remember going to Ipswich, I remember going to Coventry. There was a time where, um, where I started going to a, a lot of away games. I was probably unemployed at the time. There was probably nothing else to do. But, but going, to the old Cove, going to the old Coventry game, uh, grounds, you know? Yeah. Little, well, you must have played there a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a wooden old stadium at Ipswich. And you go away, I, I guess that's where you see the real fans, the real West Ham fans, you know, who go to every game. You know, I can't, I can't say I'm one of them, but I remember standing in front of the uh, 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 Ipswich alongside all the um, ICF. <laughs> you know, um, and I know a lot of the boys, you know, and um, all of a sudden you, you just, you're drawn in and dragged into that, that kind of culture of being, not a football hooligan, but a proper football supporter, you know, who yeah. will live and die and breathe for West Ham or for whatever club they support, you know. So for me, the furthest I've, I guess I've ever travelled was Plurma. I'm not one of those to jump on a plane from LA and... Uh, and throw it away over two days to watch a game of football when I can watch it on the telly. So I couldn't call myself the greatest supporter in the world, but I guess West Ham kind of means to me not just the football, but the area where I came, I came from, uh, you know. And it says, I've got, a, I've got a thing on the wall here that says, the bowling ground there, it says, oh, I'll read it. Uh, hold on. <laughs> come, back, Ray, come back <laughs> it says in our family blood yeah absolutely the bowling ground well that's, that's it it is 
if I'm on the other side of the world and I, I might be in Australia, I remember being in the outback in Winton in Australia and uh, we got English newspapers flown in every now and then and it, the first thing you used to do is this before mobile phones and all that kind of stuff. You pick up the paper and there it was, the West Ham result. So it was kind of the first thing you looked at because it just reminded you we you might be the other side of the world, but that's where you're from. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that because that's that, that's the make. That's what you're made from, you know. And that that's everything to me, you know. Absolutely. And talking about where you're from, Ray, leads us nice onto the next question. It's from Bill. And Bill says, "Can you tell yeah. us what was your favourite boozers around the East End, around the ground?" Obviously, back when you used to go, I know a lot of them maybe would might have closed down or not there anymore. Just a couple of quick pubs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, well, I used to I used to train and I used to drink in the Black Lion. Yeah. Just over past over bridge, you know. Then yeah. I was over drinking there. And I had bowling every now and then. Not too often, but every now and then. But um, a, lot, a lot of my drinking was done around um, Stepney, you know, they were all clubs. My, my mate Neville Cole used to have a place, Nashville's and Salmon and Ball and that. You probably know the same place, son. I yeah. think you probably had a drink in there on a Friday night before you used to play. <laughs> no, that's just, that probably was Machiavelli, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was Machiavelli. <laughs> Listen, um, also, also uh, yeah, I, I suppose my, my area of really going out and boozing, I suppose, would have been round Bethnal Green, yeah. you know, um, Stratford, two puddings, Moros, and all that. Yeah, yeah. But Bethnal Green, mostly acne, yeah. And, and just going back to your younger days, right, we've had a question from Zena, and Zena said she's yeah. read your biography called Young Winston. Yeah. And it says, I understand you had a career in boxing and won quite a few trophies. Did you ever want to take it up professionally? No, I, 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 it wasn't a career as such. It's, you know, in the East End, you, you, you either play football or you box, you know, and I, and I really... Oh, I was all right. I loved playing football, but I wasn't a good footballer by any means, as you know. But <laughs> yeah, um, <I> <laughs> boxing, boxing is just something you kind of, yeah, you know that. But <laughs> boxing was something that uh, that my dad did, that my, my dad's brothers did, and you know cousins did, and, and so that's that's what I kind of got into. And I, I, I was never a champion, you know, or, uh, or anything like that. I, I won a lot of fights, but um, I was never thinking of taking it as a profession because I wasn't good enough, you know? I think as a boxer, you've got to be good enough. Of course, Because there's a lot of great fighters and good fighters out there, you know? Yeah. And um, same with your, your younger years, Ray. It's a question from Nancy, and she says, do you miss the East End, and how long did you live in the East End for before you moved out? Oh, yeah. I, I was I was born in Acton Hospital, 1957, and um, I lived in Plasto, Case Park Road, until I... Until around about, I think it was about 1969. And my yep. dad uh, got, uh, he got, um, my mum went out and bought an house without telling my dad in um, in North London. And so we found ourselves, because dad had fruit shops there, you know. He had greengrocers in uh, in North London. So we moved out to um, Edmonton Way, Edmonton Enfield, out that way, Winchmore Hill. And uh, I think my mum bought an house for at the time. I think it was four and a half grand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Four and a half grand, which in them days was a fortune, you know. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah. George Reed, a lovely house. And um, <clears throat> I think 
I think now it's probably worth something like 700 grand, you know? Yeah. So it just shows you how times change. But I, I moved out and I found it very strange when I, when I moved because uh, that, that part of North London, it's not like it is now. It was it's still quite, quite green and, you know, a lot of fields about and all that, you know? So it was a bit of a culture shock for me as a kid coming out of the East End. I found myself, as I was getting older, getting 13, we had things as Red Rovers. Remember Red Rover? Yeah. I don't know, you might be a bit younger than me, but when you were a kid, you could buy a Red Rover ticket and get on the buses and, yeah. and you can go all over London. And, and in them days, you could kind of do that. Kids at 13, 14 were doing that, you know. And I'd always find myself back in the East End seeing old mates and that, you know. And I, I found over the years, uh, I didn't knock around so much in North London. I was always back over there, back over the East End. You know, I, even, I went to the Repton Boxing. I ended up boxing at West End. So it, my, my roots and my ties, and my grandfather still lived over there, and, you know, aunts and uncles and that. So we was always over there, back there, you know. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm the same. Obviously, you, your family leaves the East End, but you, 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 it's yeah. always in part of the East End, isn't it? It never leaves you. Yeah, you're always an East End boy. Yeah, well, you, you know that saying, you know that saying, that you? you can take the boy out of the East End, but you can't take the East End out of the boy. Correct, Ray, I agree. Right, Ray, we've got our final question. And I know over the years, like, we've bumped into each other many, many times. We've bumped into each other at Cardiff. We've bumped into each other at Wembley. We've had some great days out, nights out, lots of fantastic games. The final question yeah. from Pat. Yeah. Pat asks, out of all the matches you've seen West Ham play over the years, what has been your best or most memorable match day experience? Oh. Um... Well, I like to say, you know, you can you can always bring up beating Arsenal in the cup final. Yeah, I was there. When we were in division and we were playing fantastic football at the time as well. You know, Brooking was superb. You know, I think we had, um, I think David Cross was about then as well. I liked him. Tight yeah. up front. Yeah, and obviously watching players like over the years, some of the, you know, like Alan Devonshire. I mean breathtaking at times, you know. But, um, but you know, do you know, really, I've, you know, I could say winning a cup and all that kind of stuff, but do you remember that, the team we had in, um, when we beat Fulham, it was around the Fulham era and when we beat them at Wembley and um, when we had Billy Bonds and Graham Pennon and, and they all looked like pirates. They had long hair <laughs> and beards. The like mid-70s, 1975 that was, right? <laughs> yeah, do, do, do you know what I mean? And it, it was it was almost like seeing a West Ham side that had come from the back and you'd get Billy Bonds get the ball, his chest would go out and he'd, he'd be toe-poking the ball in front of him. And it was if the whole team just charged forward, you know? And it was like swashbuckling. It was like they had swords in their hands. And it was just like a load of pirates, you know? And I think... Obviously, watching, you know, at the time and all the, the, the great game when we lost in the replay to Liverpool, a great Liverpool side we played in the League Cup. You know, when we had a little Goddard up front as well, you know, playing with us, or Goddard. And I don't know, there, there's so many great memories of, and it always seems to be have a sad ending somewhere, you know, because I think that's kind of been the pain of being a West Ham fan. Is I agree. Don't expect, we don't expect to win too much, but what we do expect is heart. 
you know, someone to go out there and have a go, you know? And I think that kind of era with Billy Bongs and Padden and all that mob charging forward with Clarets kind of sums it up for me, you know? Um, that's my image of West Ham. And it's, people talk about the football we've played at times over the years, which, yeah, fantastic. We have played some great football. You know, and we've been underachievers, I think, you know. But when you think of that, them teams, like the team you played in, in you know, uh, the great side that came third in the league, you know, we nearly won it that year. We nearly won it that year. We were the nearly boys again, but some of the football we played, I remember uh, beating Chelsea. You know, you and McAvenny giving it large over at Stanford Bridge. And we smashed them that day. Absolutely smashed them. Oh, the football we played, it was in the mud was absolutely fantastic tone, you know? So for me, I, I guess my image of um, of Billy Bonds and Pannon and Pop Robson and all that mob just tearing forward in the mud, you know, and it was a war and it was claret everywhere and it was, I don't know, they were exciting times to me and that kind of summed up what I would, I'd love West Ham to be, you know? Absolutely, right. Great answer. Um, well, sadly, we've run out of questions. Um, but what I'm going to say is how nice it is to be involved with projects like the West Ham Foundation's NEO Lions and how well the group have done with this podcast, learning the IT skills, becoming presenters, being interviewed live by Angle Holmes. It's a fantastic project. Keep, keep up the good work with the NEO Lions. And obviously, just... Um, reiterate the need for everyone to stay at home, protect the NHS and stay alive. Please look after yourself, all you West Ham fans, all you any old fans out there, please, please, please stay safe. And finally, a massive thank you to you, Ray. I know you've given up your precious time. Thank you so much for being with me today and being with everyone else on the podcast. Um, I, I stay safe, Ray. I, I wish you get home as quick as possible. Um, any final message because we're going to sing the national anthem in a minute aren't we so any final message to wrap up yes we are Tom do you, do you remember was you with me at Ivory when we were in the uh, like we were in the posh bit and uh, I had to do a little chat with um, Charlie George before the yeah. game yeah and I, I remember um, I remember saying at the end of it I said uh, you know because it's a big day today obviously it's a derby day and I'd like you all to be upstanding for the national anthem. And uh, all the Arsenal mob thought it was like, God save the Queen, they all stood up, like, and I started singing Bubbles. And without them thinking, they started singing it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do it now, mate, to finish off on the count of three. Ready? One, this two. Is Joe, three. I, I'd like to say thank you very much as well. And I'd like to say all the best to any old Irons out there and all the West Ham fans. And it is important, very, very important that. Follow the guidelines, stay indoors because I don't think this is over yet. I think there's a little bit more to come. But if we all do the right thing, then we'll all be all right. You know, we're protecting the people in the NHS. We're protecting our old folk by doing it. And, you know, it's only stupidity that makes you want to go out. Listen, we've got free time to lay around and drink beer and eat as much food as we want. Why would you want to run about outside? There's no point in it, you know? And let me tell you, so it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure to do this today. And I didn't have anything more important to do. I'm stuck indoors. <laughs> You're still with us, right? Thanks for your time, mate. Come on, let's go for it. Ready? I'm forever. Yeah. Forever, blah.
Breathe, 